0: For, 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 for all things ATL. For everything Falcons. First to the end zone, touchdown! This is Peachtree Football. There, there, now, your host, Dylan Matthews and Bo Morgan. ATL, 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 ATL. What's going on, everybody? It is your boy, Dylan Matthews, alongside the man, the myth, the legend himself, Bo Morgan and we are Peachtree Football. Make sure you like Peachtree Football, download every single episode, and make sure you just keep tuning into the podcast. Thank you guys so much for listening. We are on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, wherever you get your podcasts, Peachtree Football is there. Bo Morgan, aka Squid Billy, it is a Wednesday, a hump day. How are we feeling on a Wednesday, uh, Wednesday morning?
1: I mean, kind of uh ready to get after it. I was I was I was at the well, gym yeah. earlier and I, I in between some sets, I was taking a peek um at just some numbers and um you know you got a tall task coming in. San Francisco Darn right. at all times offensively challenged. They are a team that I looked at and we'll get into this later, mm. that um that, that that could that could cause some issues offensively. So yeah. uh it's another tough task for this team. Well, that's so I, I felt really good until I looked at some of that and I'm like, nah, you know what? That's what everybody's been doing to this team all year. That's so true. I, I've kind of put as much as I can the 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 thievery that we experienced on um Sunday in, in uh. behind me. And so I'm kind of, you know, I'm doing what I, I, t- I we we talked about on Monday that the players need to do and that's put things behind them and yep. turn the page and the 24 hour rule is over. And now it's time to turn and, uh, and look ahead and, and get ready to, to get back to 500 because um, you know, you could get some help division wise from other teams beating up on division foes and there's yep. a mess in Carolina. So there's still a lot to, to look forward to this year. And not all is lost after Jerome Boger um, robbed our house.
0: Right. You ransacked us, but you no, know, Like you said, there is still, we still have everything in front of us. Um, We can still, there, you know, the sky's still the limit for this team. But, uh, but yeah, as Bill Belichick would say, we're on to San Francisco. So we're going to go ahead and move on. But with that, I want to start with, because there have been, you know, you can talk about most valuable players so far. And you know, obviously, Cordell Patterson before he went on the IR, he was big. I think the early production from Drake London has been big. Tyler Algier and Caleb Huntley and Avery Williams stepping up at the running back position—they've been big. The offensive line has been big. But to me, the most valuable person on the on this Atlanta Falcons team so far, in my opinion, has been the head coach. The way he's been able to scheme. You know, scheme the offensive line and and help the offensive line grow the way he's been able to give this team an identity again. You know, uh, just a smash mouth physical football team and just the culture that he's instilled into this football team. I think you, you cannot take that for granted and you can't talk about, you know, how valuable that is when you talk about giving a team identity bringing back the run game and, and just all the little things as well. So to me, Arthur Smith has been the most valuable person on the Atlanta Falcons this year. And I think he should be in the conversation for, you know, early coach of the year candidate. And I know the record, you know, people are going to be like, Oh, but they're two and three. I don't care about that. The You you guys said they weren't, a lot of people said they weren't going to get two wins all year. So the fact that he's got that already and is going to blow that two to four win thing out of the water it looks like, I I think it needs to be spoken for. So, in my opinion, Arthur Smith needs to be in the early conversation for for coach of the year.
1: Yeah, I like where your head's at. I I think a lot of credit goes to not only Arthur, but um, Dean Pease and what he's starting to do with this defense. And, honestly, this entire coaching staff, I know I heard Dave Archer talking to Arthur Smith about this on the coach's show on Monday, Mm. and, you know, he – uh, they talked about the adjustments this team has made in the second half. You know, for years, it felt like the entire Mike Smith, Dan Quinn era, we were a team, Mike Smith and Dan Quinn's era. So, Thomas Dimitrov regime, right. uh, the general manager, it felt like this team was a start fast and then hold on. And Rarely. a lot of people – and I don't think it was a, a necessarily a, a bad thought or a bad um, analysis – Mm. That Well, they don't make adjustments. They don't, they don't, when, when other teams adjust, they don't adjust back. Right. And I think what what we've seen is the Falcons are making adjustments in that yes. second half and teams are having problems getting back to what they're doing. They're, they're doing a good job. Of, if something's not working, not playing four quarters with, it. they're moving on to something else. Right. And that, that's been a good thing for, uh, for this team. I think it's helped them be a second half team. And, and that's how they've won two games and, and been in all five, and they've all five been one-score games. So, I uh, I think that's a good thought. Honestly, if I was going to go with an MVP right now, I'm not really sure if it was one person how it's not Grady Jarrett for me. He should that's have so, and a half a he has this, He's been very dominant, very active. He's been a guy who has came up in the two wins. He's made huge plays, yes. and last week, he made another big play. And again, I said I was over it, but I can't I can't say that I'm over it, with I you know, I'm I don't think I'll ever, ever be over it. I've moved right. on. But if we're talking about opportunities or 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 plays or reasons why team the team has lost, the play he made, which was ultimately flagged yep. for a ridiculous reason. Again, I don't sound over it, I know, but that that was a play he made. And yep. It was taken away. So he has he has been there late in games. Yeah. Um, week one would probably be the outlier because the old defense just didn't play as well late in that game. But um, I, I, I will tell you this: I just think that he has been the leader in mm-hmm. in the locker room, on the field, off the field. He's a guy that a lot of young players up front can. Um, can kind of take take their lessons from and learn from. And I think we've seen a guy in his second year in Taquan Graham, who has been a yeah. guy who's played a lot better this year. I think Grady Jarrett should get some credit. I think, um I think Taquan Graham should get uh should get a lot of that credit. I think Dean Pease and then Gary Emanuel, the uh D line coach, they should get some credit for that as too. I mean, I, I don't want to give it all, you know, to a guy who, you know, to Grady, but you can't Talk about this defensive line and this team's performance on defense this year without the first name coming up being Grady Jarrett.
0: No, I completely agree. There is something to be said not only about his play because Grady Jarrett has been the definition of clutch this season, but there's something also to be said about that veteran leadership that you're talking about, you know, making sure guys are, you know, helping guys move on from – you know, what happened in Tampa Bay to San Francisco and also, you know, bouncing back after after a loss to New Orleans and and and, and, a, and, a, and a bad loss to L.A. And then coming back and rolling off two straight victories, you know, stay in the course and, you know, and buying into what Arthur Smith and DPs are talking. And, you know, Grady Jarrett helped. I'm sure it's helping the other guys buy in as well. So there's definitely something to be said about that veteran leadership that Grady Jarrett is bringing, because, you know, he. um he has been through and he he know he has been through different regimes and you know he's he is starting to see the results and things of that nature. So like I said, he's been nothing but clutch. So no, Grady Jarrett is definitely he should definitely be talked about as one of the MVPs on this team because time and time again he has come through in big moments. So no, that, that is definitely a good call uh when it comes to like who should be, you know, who has been the MVP of this season. So another thing I also want to get into while we're talking about MVPs and you know standouts and things of that nature the offensive line has by far surprised me the most I did not expect them to be this good especially in the in the run game you know like we we even talked about it uh on Monday they've had their struggles in the passing game and you know that that's to be expected but I think it's, there's something to be said about how good they've been in the run game because, you know, when CP went down, we all got a little scared. We held our breath a little bit because, like, oh, man, like, okay, you know, CP, he, he was that dude. Are Tyler Algier and Caleb Huntley going to be able to do that same thing? And they were able to. And I think part of that is those guys being good runners and making making plays and stepping up to bat. But part of that, I believe, is also the offensive line. And the offensive line creating holes for any guy that's back there in that backfield. So besides the offensive line, because I think we probably can both agree that they have been very surprising. Who has been most surprising to you? What position group or what specific player? And it could be for the good or maybe the not so good.
1: Well, I've talked about Drake London before, how impressive he was. Uh, he's been so far from for me. Yeah, uh, I didn't see as much last week. I know that they were probably paying him a extra attention without Kyle Pitts. Right. You know, it's hard for me to 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 talk about the offensive line play without talking about the running backs. I think they've had guys mm-hmm. step up. I know that um, Cordero played well early. He's out. I think Algier and Caleb Huntley have come in and especially Algier since Damian Williams got hurt. Algiers' first game I wasn't very impressed with against the Rams where I think he really played. But I was really impressed with how he's how he's ran since, where he seemed to attack a lot like Cordero has. And yeah. hit the hole hard and go. And Caleb Huntley's came in and also sent <clears throat> of that. And I think Avery Williams has done a good job in limited carries. I mean, Avery Williams only has four carries this year, but he's got 37 yards and a touchdown. Uh, excuse me. He has more than that now. He had forty. He had thirty-seven yards going into last week, and he got a couple of touches, and now he's added a touchdown to it. I don't think Avery Williams is is playing well, but but honestly, the defensive line has surprised me to an extent. They have gotten after the they've gotten after the quarterback better. I think at times they've done a pretty good job of the run game. Guys yeah. like Paquan Graham are obviously we're talking about Grady. They're not even they're Anthony Rushless now because they've released him. But Abdul Anderson has finally broken yes. um, through, and and after not making the, the original fifty-three man. And then getting onto the practice squad, he's now a guy that plays, all, you know, not a lot, but he plays a, a good bit uh, of snaps in the rotation. And he's eating up one, two guys at times on an offensive line. So honestly, I would say the running back group and the defensive line have both played weather, played, yep. weather, played better than I originally expected. And it's been, it's been good to see. Yep. I've enjoyed seeing those guys step up and play as well as they have. And I think it's promising. I think it's promising that, Oh, Matt Dickerson stepped in last week and, and and made a nice play. And that was the first time I remember getting to call Matt Dickerson's or, or getting uh, to hear Matt Dickerson's name called like that. And uh, honestly, when I pointed to his name, I was like, oh, yeah, Dickerson. Dickerson. <laughs> um, and uh, so it, it's good to see. So I, I just think that we've got a defensive line with really only one brand name coming in to the right. season. And, and I think they have played better. Um, Ebba is another guy who technically is, you know, a linebacker in a three, four. He's a stand up, but he's an edge rusher. He's a, he's a lineman. I he'll have his hand in the dirt at times. He's, I've seen, I haven't seen him finish yet, but I've seen like a lot. You know, obviously he's got the, you know, the one sack so far, which is in week one, but he's right there. Yeah. He's right there at it. And it's so close. I really feel good about the defensive line. That's a long answer and it's a multiple part because you asked for one. I gave you a lot, but. I really feel good about those groups.
0: No, I'm with you too. And again, the defensive line is, is a good call because we weren't sure what they were going to look like because there are there were so many young guys. You know, we knew kind of what Grady was going to be, but we didn't know about anybody else. We didn't know what Arnold Ebicady was going to be. We didn't know how Taquan Graham was going to look in year two. So, you know, we were, we were hopeful about Lorenzo Carter, but we weren't sure about him. And I know he's more of a, you know, again, a linebacker slash edge rusher like, Evacadius, but we didn't know what these guys were going to look like. You know, we, we had saw Abdullah Anderson flash in the preseason and we liked that, but we didn't know if that was going to translate to the regular season or not. And I think obviously it has. So that that's a good call there because these guys have gotten pressure. They have been opportunistic. They have made plays when they've needed to. I think they've stepped up in big situations. They've gotten better in the red zone. Like you've been harping on as well. They've really uh, uh, gotten stout in the red zone and not, and bending, but not breaking. And then going back to the running backs, I really like. I think the 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 most thing, the thing that I'm most impressed with the running backs, how quickly they make their reads, but they're still patient at the same time. And then they also get north to south really fast. I think in the past we've seen other running backs here. They try to do too much dancing. I I, I remember here Dave Archer talk about this in the past. They're doing too much dancing, too much east and west. But these guys really, in my opinion, get north to south pretty fast, pretty quickly. Which allows them to make you know better get better gains and make longer runs because they're they're hitting the hole hard they're being aggressive they're breaking tackles as well um, so yeah the the running back group has has been really impressive in, in my eyes as well so I'll have to I'll have to agree with you there um, another group that I, oh and another one I want to touch on that you touched on as well Drake London I mean we touched on this uh, close to the beginning of the podcast. I did not expect him to come on the way he has just because when he got, when he was first injured, I did not expect him to catch on. I thought it was going to be a slow start just because, you know, it seemed like he might've gotten a stumble out of the gate with that, with that knee injury after the first preseason game. And once he came back and once he was rolling, I mean, he really just hit the ground running. And, you know, I, I think it's safe to say now that we really, really, might have overreacted to how, you know, hurt he might have been. Um, so, no, Drake London has been super impressive.
1: Well, and I understand all the uh, – but, see, I understand it. I mean, I think there was a few people um, that you and I both know that maybe went a little overboard with it. Right. But, um, you know, I, I, I also understand some of the – the feelings that fans and, and some of the media were having. This is a guy that had injury issues yeah. in USC. He mm-hmm. makes one catch in a preseason game, and he misses yeah. the rest of the regular uh, preseason. And you didn't, see a you didn't, you know, and you didn't see a lot from him, so you didn't know what you were going to get. So I understand where that, why that's coming from. But the guys really played well. So maybe we did, maybe we didn't, but I do know that. It is uh it was it was I think it was legitimate to an extent. Um I'm mm-hmm. never going to say it was 100% because I think there's always some ridiculous things said, but it was legitimate. And um it, you know, I I do I did understand where some of that was coming from. Yeah,
0: no, it's it was definitely legitimate. I just think I think maybe some people pressed the panic button a little too quickly. You know, it was it's definitely, you know, it was definitely safe to be concerned. I just think I think majority of, of fans and you know media pundits and people like that. I think they might have pre- pressed the panic button a little too quickly on uh, on Drake London. So well, remember
1: they're ju- they're trying to justify their negative predictions on this team. That's true. Oh, That's they why well, they're going to do two and fifteen. Oh, they they're, 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 they're. don't forget. And it should be said, and I don't want to get here and, and just start you know going home being a you know Homer Bow here. But I'm going to tell you something. Uh, don't discount agendas if people if guys go out and oh I don't like that pick that's a terrible pick and then the first the first thing that happens negative for that player mm. in, in the in the training camp or the preseason or even the regular season yeah um they're gonna they're gonna jump on it because it's a time to pounce it's a time to justify what i what I said and how I went overboard here or whatever so don't discount. Overreaction to people trying to trying to set plant their flag for being right on a prediction they made on a draft night. Don't discount that because that's a real thing. It is. Uh, and and it and it it is it does happen quite a bit.
0: Well, whoever has a negative agenda against Drake London, close that agenda, burn it, and move on. How about that? So we will move on as well because we're we're gonna start implementing a new segment on Wednesdays here, Squid Billy. And we're going to call it our first look. And we're going to take our first look at the San Francisco 49ers. And you touched on it earlier, and I'm glad you said it because I was thinking the exact same thing. Whew, this is going to be a tall task for the Atlanta Falcons. It's, not, it's it, They can get it done, but it ain't going to be easy because when I first look at the San Francisco 49ers and I first think about the San Francisco 49ers, I think about a pretty balanced offensive attack, a team that is strong for about, I think, 210 yards um, per game on the ground, rushing for about, I have the numbers here right in front of me, rushing for about, so they are passing 210 uh, yards per game, rushing for about 138, and then on the defensive side of the ball, they're not giving up much either are allowing 206 passing yards per game. And when we talk about rushing yards, this is the big key to me. Something's going to have to give here in this game because the San Francisco 49ers coming into this game only giving up 71 rushing yards per game coming into this week. The Falcons, obviously, we know the run is their bread and butter, rushing for 164 yards per game coming into this week. Something's got to give, Squid Billy, and I hope it's the 49ers and not the Falcons' running attack.
1: Well, Dylan, this is uh this is one of the best defensive, if not the best defense yeah. in uh in the NFL. They're the best scoring defense, only allowing 12 points a game. You talked about the numbers in the run game, which they're the they're the top run defense. They're the they're the third best uh they're the best total defense in yards. So they're the best total defense overall. Well, this is this is a team that that um you know that they, they, they excel in a lot of areas. Right. Uh, they're 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 really good in the red zone. I mean, this defense is only get They're forty percent of the time they're giving up touchdowns in the red zone. That's a ridiculous number. Um, they're really good. But mm-hmm. here's the thing that Atlanta's. You know, this is going to be one of those games. I, I I think this could be an ugly game when it comes yeah. to kind of. What we see points, what we see numbers. I mean, I'm not saying it's going to be another seven for 19 for Marcus, but it could be. And this could be a game where you're going to have to try to just, you know, there are going to be times, I should say, where I think this could be kind of banging your head against the wall because you've got to keep going, keep, keep, keep it up as far as don't go away from your game plan because things aren't working if the score is close. You know, you talked about, that they're not a great offense. I agree. I mean, this is the they're 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 a good running team, but yeah. they're they're near the bottom with us in passing offense. Yeah. Um they're not a very good passing offense. Jimmy Now Jimmy G has not been asked to do a lot. He's better. Now he's yeah. a better quarterback than to me what what they had in Trey Lance and the the numbers are kind of askew because trading didn't play a lot this year. But this is a banged up team. I was looking, and yep. at first look, they're going to be without Emmanuel Mosley, who's who's been a guy who's played well for them in the secondary. Yep. They're going to be possibly without uh, Nick Bosa, who was a guy who, who who he he missed part of the game with. I think it was a a growing injury. Mm. Their, uh, he what? Jimmy Ward broke his hand against Carolina, or he was out with a broken hand against Carolina. So that's a guy. That's a big player on their team. Now they've still now big Fred Warner, that middle that middle linebacker who's a, a hell of a player, been a good NFL player this time, and, and Drake uh, Greenlaw, who was a good guy at Ar- good player at Arkansas, and he's he's playing linebacker with him. He's been well. They have got, got some guys all through it. Javar- Javarius Ward has played yep. well at the other cornerback spot. So, they've played well defensively. Eric um, Armstead and I believe John Von Kinlaw both missed last week's game. So, I don't know what their status is yet. It's just Wednesday. We'll get more moving on this week. But mm-hmm. they're banged up. Yeah, I know we're missing Cordero, and we don't know what Kyle Pitts is going to do, who missed last week with a, a, a hamstring. And Michael Walker pulled up with a growing injury as well. Mm-hmm. So... Um, there's some guys that could be out for them yep. defensively that could help. That could it could could be a, a bright sign for the Falcons. Again, it's early, but first look here on uh, PG football, the Niners are coming in here as a really good defense. To me, the best defense in the NFL through five uh weeks of the season, but they're also a banged up defense, and a lot of their injuries are on on defense and Dalen. Probably a guy you want to touch on we haven't even talked about yet on offense would be Debo Samuel.
0: Oh, yeah, for sure. I want to put a bow on the defensive uh, question or topic real quick because, you know, you talk about – and I was going to talk – yeah, Javon Kinlaw right now. Javon Kinlaw and um, Arik Armstead both coming in right now at least as questionable. So, we don't know what they're going to look like. And remember, Miles Garrett and and, um, Jadavion Clowney missing for the Browns. We saw how much that – uh, affected them, and they're still a good defensive line, but they were obviously missing them, and the Falcons capitalized on that. And I'm not saying, you know, Rico Armstead and Javon Killar are going to miss the game, and you know, and, and you talked about both of two, but if they miss, you know, one, two, and you know, all three of those guys, perhaps that those are big, big losses, and the Falcons could definitely take advantage of that, just like it did in the Cleveland situation. But again, we're, we're not sure, we don't know if they're going to play or not. It's only Wednesday, like you said. Friday is really D-Day when it comes to, you know, who's going to play and who's not going to play. But you talked about Debo Samuel, and, you know, I'm going to go ahead and give a quick peek behind the curtain. This is going to be one of my keys to the game. I'm not going to get all the way into it, but I'm just going to touch on it briefly. This, the Atlanta Falcons defense is going to have to stay disciplined. We all know what Kyle Shanahan is about. He helped get us to a Super Bowl in 2016. We know how creative he is. We know how he likes to not only throw the ball to Debo Samuel, but hand the ball off to Debo. He can do the same thing with, with guys like Brandon Ayuk. You know, Jeff Wilson Jr. Has has stepped into the running back spot after Eli Mitchell got hurt. And he's, and he's been a uh, big time. He had a big game uh, last week. He had 17 carries for over 100 yards, a touchdown as well. So, You're going to have to stay disciplined because Kyle Shanahan is going to throw a lot of things at you. He's going to throw a lot of different looks at you. You're going to have to stay on your marks. You're going to have to, instead of, you know, maybe trying to jump in front of a play and make a big play and, you know, end up out of position, stay on your marks, stay in your places, stay disciplined, just do your job. And then when the play is in front of you, just go make the play. So. Don't try to do too much if you're the Atlanta Falcons defense this week. I think that's going to be a big thing because Kyle Shanahan is going to throw a lot at you, and one of those pieces he's going to throw at you is putting Debo Samuel all over the field, and you don't want to get caught out of position.
1: Yeah, and in your point, Jeff Wilson was the star last week, and Debo didn't have a really big game by his nope. standards. You know, they've also – you know, Tevin Coleman is back with Kyle Shanahan, former <laughs> Falcon, and, okay. and they like to – You know, Kyle loves getting him the ball in space uh, in the passing game, whether it's a wheel route or, you know, just a little dump off or maybe a screen. So there's going to be some things. Kyle Shanahan is as good as it gets as a play car in the NFL. And it's something to look at. But you wonder that maybe, you know, they've got two big guys in Mike McGlinchey and Trent Williams on their edge in their offensive line, two big, massive tackles, especially Mike McGlinchey. Hey, he's 6'8". But Trent Williams is a big boy himself at 6'5", 320. Williams missed last week. He was inactive. He's another guy that this team maybe will be without. And he missed with an ankle. And big guy's ankles, I don't know. Remember, the other thing I'll say, is San Francisco stayed on the East Coast. So, just like we stayed uh, from L.A. to we went to Seattle, mm-hmm. they played in Carolina, and they stayed somewhere in this area uh the Niners did I know they'll be in town Friday for sure but I know that they stayed somewhere um and, and I want to say they stayed uh in that South Carolina area for the most part to practice so I we'll, we'll know for sure Friday when we when we do um uh, the you know the, the 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 game day preview or the preview of right. East Street football but but this team stayed again I I just I think I know we've got two guys out, but probably, and maybe we don't know about Michael Walker. We've been kind of healthy, so we could be getting this team banged up and maybe a chance to get back to three and three. But first look here on Peach Street Football is very good, top-tier defense, and then they have weapons offensively. They haven't been a, a great offense yet. They've been winning with defense, but they are banged up. So great defense. Offense has weapons that can that can pop up and give you trouble. Yeah. And they're banged up. And that's the first look. We're on Peace Street football of the San Francisco 49ers who come in here Sunday at 102 to play our Falcons. There it
0: is. First look. Very balanced team. They can do it on the, you know, they little challenge offense, but they can still get things done. And on defense, they're as stout as it gets. So that's going to do it for this edition of Peace Street Football. Again, make sure you guys. Like this podcast, make sure you follow the podcast, download every single episode, and we are everywhere. Wherever you get your podcast, Peachtree Football is there. That is Apple Podcasts, that is Spotify, that is uh, the Odyssey app. Wherever you get your podcast, Peachtree Football is there. Friday, we are getting into, like both said, we're getting to the meat and potatoes of this matchup between the Atlanta Falcons and the San Francisco 49ers. 102. 102- Kickoff, we will talk about it on Friday. Keys to the game, uh, matchups to watch, and of course, score predictions. That's all coming up on Friday on the next edition of Street Football. But until then, for Bo Bo Morgan, I am Dylan Matthews. Until we talk to you guys on Friday,
1: peace. Rise up. (laughs) H H H H H H H